Good morning, family. I want to welcome you all to BT Church. Uh, my name is Nick, and I have the awesome opportunity and privilege to share with you this morning from God's Word. Uh, BT family, do me a favor. Let's welcome all of our VIPers, first-timers in the room and online this morning. <clears throat> we are so grateful to God that you chose to spend part of your weekend with us. Um, we pray that uh, your time here is a blessing and that uh, God's word uh, would do a work in your life that transforms. That's why we exist. BT Church exists to glorify God by leading people to live transformed lives. And we know that we are transformed by the word of God. Uh, that video, brief video on the screen was a little teaser of our upcoming series uh, entitled Asking for a Friend. And what we'll do in that series is we'll bring our questions uh, that pertain to life and faith and we'll, we'll bring them to God and we'll go to God's word uh, as we seek his truth for those questions. So bring your questions or bring your friend's questions um, and, and we'll see what God has for us in that upcoming series. So, so be on the lookout, social media and all around campus. Uh, there'll be QR codes where you can submit your questions. And, and we, we expect to have a good time in God's Word. Uh, we also want to continue our practice of celebration as we ce celebrate what God is doing in and through the life of our church. We celebrate that so far this year, 353 people have said yes to Jesus Christ, trusting him. As their Lord and Savior. And so far we celebrate 231 people following the Lord in obedience in the waters of baptism. And it gets gooder, in my best English, it gets gooder. Because we're going to celebrate six baptisms at this service. That's just here. I don't know what they're doing everywhere else. But that's just here. So we're excited about what God is doing. Amen. Uh, we're going to continue our series called ID as we look at uh, what it means to have an identity in Christ, uh, what it means for us through uh, the Word of God, and more specifically through the first few chapters of the book of Ephesians. This, is been, this has been a powerful series uh, for my life, just being reminded of everything that uh, I get to receive now that I walk with Jesus. Uh, if, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, I want to I welcome you here. You are welcome here. I, I, I also want to say, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you are missing out on life to the fullest. I want to say that Jesus said, in the gospel of John, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And so we've just been in this series uh, looking at what it means to have an identity in Christ Jesus. And so turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And it's only two verses today, so I'm going to preach under three hours on two verses Okay, under three hours on just two verses. It's possible. We're going to see. 
But while you're turning there, Ephesians, it's on the screen. Uh, if you want to turn there, while you're turning there, we, we'll get there in a minute. I don't know if there's anybody like me that uh, when I have something that I really enjoy, an electronic or something uh, that I, I value, I'm not a hoarder, okay? I'm, just, I'm not a hoarder. But I will use my electronics until the, the wheels fall off. Is there anybody? Like, like I, I will keep a phone for eight years. Amen. They upgraded and upgraded and upgraded. And I don't, like I have friends that every time something new come out, they're going to buy the new phone if they only change the box. Like they didn't even do nothing. All they did was change the box and put Max on the end. And you're like, oh, I got to have that. Well, that's not me. I, I ride my electronics till the wheels fall off, and, and I try to fix them and engineer them and tape them, you know. I just, like, I, I always know when my wife is up to something because my phone won't work. And then I'll say, okay, she's trying to get me a new phone. But... We, we hold on to things, but, but then when we use them up, when, when, when we hold on to them and we use them up and it's, and it's past the point to where we see that we can get any value or, or any, any work, what, what happens? Then we throw it away. <laughs> like, like my phone, I keep it and I keep it. And then I saw on the advertisement, they said, you can get a free upgrade if you turn in your phone in any condition. I didn't see the fine print at the bottom of the screen on the commercial. I turned in my phone, and then people wrote me back and said, sir, we didn't mean this. <laughs> we didn't mean this. You can't turn this in. I thought y'all meant any condition. I kept it for eight years. They said, no, we didn't mean this. But when, when it's past the point of being used, it's broken or it's too old or it's them, we throw it away. And I understand that when it comes to material things like electronics and, and other material things, you know, clothing and things like that. But sadly, sadly, we treat humanity like that. If we feel like somebody... It's too broken, too complex, too needy. We feel like they're too far gone. What will we do? We will, we will disregard, throw, throw people out, throw people away, set them on the back burner. It, it's really sad when we do that to ourselves, not just other people that... That sometimes we do that to ourselves. And, and there are many believers that fail to understand who they are in Christ. And, and they are living, we are living lives on the sidelines because we don't realize who we are in Christ. And we don't realize that when God saves us, he does not save us to sit us on the back burner. He does not save us to throw us away. He does not save us and think we're too far gone or too broken or too complex or too messy. God is holy, and that means that God does not treat people how we would treat people. This is where we find ourselves in Ephesians 
chapter 1. God has said beautifully through the writing of the Apostle Paul as he opens up this powerful book. He tells us that we are chosen. God chose us in Christ Jesus. Then he, he tells us it, it, it gets gooder. He says not only are that, not only are you chosen, but you're adopted. You're part of God's family. That God doesn't just, just want us to exist as his creation. He wants us to live lives as his children. That's powerful. And then he lets us know a powerful word. He says, and I want you to know that not only are you Chosen, not only have you been adopted, but you have been redeemed. And that word, redeemed, that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's pray and ask God to bless our time. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. It's my prayer for the next few minutes. By the power of the Holy Spirit, let your word be clearly communicated. Let Jesus Christ be highly exalted. Let your people be beautifully blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8 says this, In him, meaning in Christ Jesus, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. Redemption is a powerful word, and to be redeemed is something that those of us who have trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, to be redeemed is something that we get to wear as a badge of honor. It is something that we get to live out as the children of God. Redemption is a powerful word. What does it mean? Well, in the context of what the Apostle Paul is talking about and the word that he chooses to use there, it means to buy something back. Or to put it more specifically, it means to buy someone back. It deals with the redemption or the ransom of a slave from slavery. Paul uses that word when he describes our new identity in Christ Jesus. He says that people who follow Jesus Christ have been redeemed from slavery. That's good news. I know when you hear words like slavery in church, everybody gets tight. And the reason why we get tight, many of us, we read uh, more, more modern concepts of slavery. We read those into the scriptures. In that day, uh, Slavery wasn't good, but in that day, slavery was a part of life. Many people would sell themselves into slavery because they, they had no ability to care for themselves. They had no ability to cover their debts. They had no ability to, to, to meet and take care of their obligations. And so what, what, what some people would do, they would become bond servants. They would, they would sell themselves into slavery. They didn't have the ability, and so... They sold themselves into slavery. And, and in order to get out from under that obligation, to get out from under that debt, somebody had to put some money on it, either them through their life and service or somebody connected to them, somebody close to them, somebody 
somebody that cared for them. And this is what the Apostle Paul, this picture is what he is raising up. What, what he says is this, in Christ Jesus, we have redemption that Humanity does not have to live under the bondage of slavery to sin and selfishness and ratchetness and foolishness because Christ Jesus has redeemed us, bought us back. That's good news. That's real good news. And what he is saying is this. We didn't have the ability to redeem ourselves. <laughs> Somebody had to redeem us. Somebody had to be close and connected and care enough for us to pay the price for us to free us. And Paul says, I want you to know that in Christ Jesus... You have been redeemed. Who is close? Christ Jesus. Who cares? Christ Jesus. Who is connected enough? Christ Jesus. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that he could redeem humanity. That's a powerful truth. Going all the way back to Adam and Eve, their sin plunged humanity into slavery to sin. And I know we don't like that word nowadays because today ain't nothing, ain't nothing wrong with nothing no more. Ain't nothing wrong with nothing. And we have people, ain't no sin, and we have people, you know, you, you don't have to worry about anything. But you can look at the news for 10 minutes and know something wrong. Amen. You can look at the news and hear some of these stories, and you can say, you know what? That joker a sinner. Ain't no way to even just, he a sinner. Sometimes I look at these politicians and I hear what they say and I watch what they do. And I say, them jokers are sinners. I know, don't look at me in that tone of voice. You know you say it too. I've seen your post. I've seen your post. But before we get self-righteous and point the finger at them, let's turn the mirror on us. Because you know who else has sinned enough to need Jesus? You and me. Amen. Don't get nervous in the service. Stay with me. You know who has sinned enough and been in bondage enough to need the power of God through Christ Jesus to redeem us, you and I. And so often we like to point the finger and look out there, but Jesus wants us to know that he has redeemed us personally. We have received redemption, but redemption is not just a concept. No, redemption had to have something concrete. A price had to be paid. Redemption is not just a theory. A price had to be paid. Thank you, Apostle Paul. What is the price for our redemption? It's right here in the text. He says, in him we have received redemption through his blood. I'm so glad 
for the blood of Jesus Christ. Because what this says is this, that when the Apostle Paul talks about our redemption, he cannot disconnect our redemption from the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection is the price that was paid to free all of us. That's good news when we could not save ourselves, when we could not heal ourselves, when we could not help ourselves, Jesus gave his life. Amen. Old Testament says life is in the blood. So when Jesus poured out his blood, he literally poured out his life and he poured out his life to redeem us. And that speaks to how valuable you and I are to God. If you question how valuable you are to God, you have the answer in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believe in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. And I know you learned that in Sunday school and I know that's everywhere. And I know we're so familiar with those verses, but the gospel is still good news. Still good news. And so when we look at what it means to be redeemed, this should free us from self-loathing. This should free us from being so hard on ourselves that we beat ourselves down more than God desires to build us up. I'm going to say this. Because Jesus didn't die for us to continue to live lives like we're not valuable to God. Amen. You are valuable to God. And you know, worth, worth and value are not the same things. Worth and value are not the same things. Sometimes I watch these shows, maybe you see them too. Uh, people, you know, they'll be buying antiques or old things from people. Or uh, they'll be going to like the pawn shop and the dude will have an old Elvis record that he think is worth a million dollars, you know. And he'll walk in the pawn shop. And he's skinning and grinning with his old Elvis record that he thinks is worth something. And the dude at the pawn shop is like, yeah, I give you $17. <laughs> and then they start haggling, and he's like, come on, man, this, this Elvis we talking about, this big E we talking about, you know. And dude, all right, 20 <laughs> And then he go back and forth. He's like, man, I might as well keep it. And yes, you might as well keep it because it's worth more to you than somebody wants to give you the value of it. It's worth that to you. It ain't worth that to me. It ain't worth that to the bald head dude behind the pawn shop. You know, he's like, I'm going to give you $20 for this. And why are you saying this, Pastor Nick? I'm saying this because you may not feel like your life is worth much. Other people may have treated you. Like you aren't worth much. You may have treated yourself like you aren't worth much. But hear me, those people don't have the last word in our lives. Hear me, you 
don't have the last word in your life. God has the last word. And God says, hey, you might not feel like you're worth much, but I want you to know you are valuable to me because when I wanted to redeem you, I gave my best and he spent it all. Hallelujah. You and I, we are valuable valuable to God. We are so valuable to God that God does not want us to just be his slaves. He wants us to be his children. You and I are valuable to God. And so what this means is this. This means that any time <laughs> we want to disregard our value to God, what we are doing is also disregarding the cross of Jesus Christ. Self-loathing is an offense to the finished work of Jesus Christ. The scripture says we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we should. But the scriptures don't say you need to think lower of yourself than God thinks of you. Scripture don't say that. And some people just have a snuffleupagus anointing. I'm sorry. They just... They just, just mo oh, I'm, I'm this. And I mean, just, have you ever met those people that are just so hard on themselves? You know, how you do, oh, I'm making it. Or you try to encourage them. You're doing good. Oh, that wasn't nothing. Or, this, you know, you even tell them, that, well, that looked good. Oh, this old thing. You know, just a, <laughs> every time you try to build them up, like, like they tear themselves down. They just have a snuffleupagus anointing on their life. And as believers in Christ who have been redeemed, we should have the most confidence of all of humanity. Because it goes beyond self-confidence. It is actual, actually a gospel confidence that, that we just sang it, that, that I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who God says I am. So we don't have to be too down on ourselves. Oh, um, no, that wasn't nothing. Oh, this, you know, I tell, I tell the worship team, when somebody applauds you or they say you did a good job, just say thank you. You don't got to be falsely humble. Jesus says men will see your good works and glorify God in heaven. That's what Jesus said. Jesus says men will see your works. Jesus said that. But then we get fake because uh, we don't want to get the big, oh, it was all God. No, it was not all God. Okay? I tell people all the time, don't say it was all God because if it was all God, it would have been a million times better than what you just did. Okay? <laughs> when it was all God, he made everything from nothing. You just sang a solo. So you better say thank you. <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't me. It was all God. No, that was you. Because God would have beasted that thing, you know. <laughs> now, you did good, but don't. But we get, so, we, get so, we get so hard on ourselves. We get so down on ourselves. And when we get so hard on ourselves and we get so down on ourselves, it's like we're trying to slap God in the face because God says, hey, I have redeemed you. I have purchased you. And, and God says, hey, when I spend my best on something, I am not spending my best on just trash. 
So stop treating yourself like trash. Amen. Stop speaking trash words over your life. Stop living a trashy lifestyle because we, the scripture says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Yes, God has redeemed us from our trashy past and God values us as his treasured children. That's beautiful. And I want to say, Sometimes we got to tell ourselves to shut up. I'm serious. We get in our heads and, and, and we drown out the truth of God about ourselves. Maybe it's because the consequences of our past. And hear me, I said consequences. But in Christ Jesus, while there may be some of us that, 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 that live with the consequences of our sin, hear me, nobody in Christ Jesus will ever deal with the penalty of sin. I'm going to let that marinate. Why you say that, Pastor Nick? Because the scripture says this, the wages of sin is death. The ultimate penalty of sin is, is separation from God, death. That's the ultimate penalty of sin. And nobody that places their faith in Christ Jesus who has been redeemed will ever experience that penalty of sin. Why? Because Jesus poured out his blood. Now, we may deal with the consequences of our sin, but that does not make us any less redeemed. Are y'all with me? Part of our redemption includes being free from the penalty of sin. Part of our redemption also includes being free from the pollution of sin. Now that we are redeemed and we are bought back from slavery of sin and self, sin does not have power over us. We are God's children, and so we are free to live lives like our Heavenly Father wants us to live. A believer in Christ Jesus cannot continually say, I can't help myself. And here's why I'm saying that. Because as a follower of Jesus Christ, you have God and he is all the help we need. When you can't, the spirit empowers us and he works in and through it. Are you with me? Y'all with me? So, yes, it's accurate to say you can't help yourself. You can't continually say you can't help yourself as an excuse to continue to live however you want to live because God knew that we couldn't help ourselves, which is why he sent Jesus. So we are free from the pollution of sin. When we are glorified, we will be free from the presence of sin. But until then we need to walk and remember that we are redeemed. And when we fall short, we need to get back up again because look at the text. Look at the text. The Apostle Paul says, in him we have redemption through his blood right here. The forgiveness of our trespasses. How many people need forgiveness for their trespasses? Amen. How many people come, come up short? Amen. We miss the mark. 
Amen. That, that happens. And hear me. We don't make light of that. We acknowledge that and we acknowledge Jesus, what he's done for us and who he calls us to be. And guess what? We adjust accordingly. Why? Because we've been forgiven. And what does that mean? That means this, that as a follower of Christ Jesus, now that we've been redeemed, God does not hold over our head the wrong things that we do. We've been forgiven of our trespasses. There may be people in your life that remember, remember what you did in 87 and 92 and 96. <laughs> you know, you got them people in your life, they remember all your crazy ratchet moments. And you see them at the reunion. Remember that time? You, you're like, yeah, I remember that time. I'm trying to, you know. I was a freshman in college, which, you know, I'm different now, you know. You meet your old friend and he telling he telling stories and your wife right there, and you like, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> you know, you like, dude, come on. You know, like, all right, we gotta go. I hear, we gotta go. People may remind you of who you used to be, but God does not hold our sin over our head. Hallelujah. And this, hear me, hear me. It's not like. It's not like God does not know. He's all-knowing. But what does God say? God says that, guess what? I, when I redeem you, I am not going to treat you according to the failures of your past. I am going to treat you and deal with you according to the faithfulness of my son. So when I look at you, I don't see you according to all the wrongs that you've done. I don't see you according to all of the ways that Nick has missed the mark. When I look at you, I see the faithfulness of Jesus. And when I see the faithfulness of Jesus, I pour out my favor on you. I show my love to you. I bring you close. I call you out. I call you up to who you should be. That's the good news of the gospel. That we have the forgiveness of our trespasses and I don't care what they know and what they say. I don't care what you know and what you say. If God looks at you and he says in Christ Jesus you are forgiven then guess what? That stamps it. That stamps it. But Pastor Nick, you don't know what I've done. I don't. But God knows everything. And look at what it says. It says this, that we receive the forgiveness of sins. I'm not making none of this up. All this in the Bible. It says this, according to the riches of his grace, that he richly poured out on us, look at this, with all wisdom and all understanding. What does that mean, Pastor Nick? That means this. I don't have to know and understand everything that you've done wrong, and I don't have to know and understand all of your past for the truth of the gospel to be true for you. Because God knows and he understands fully and he sent Christ Jesus to redeem us. He sent Christ Jesus. Jesus poured his blood so that we can be forgiven. And God says, guess what? I have all wisdom and all understanding. That means this God knew what he was doing when he saved you. And sometimes, I, I, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be, sometimes I'm like, God, what was you doing when you made me a pastor? <laughs> when you made me a preacher? 
Because sometimes the things that go on in my mind, mm, I'm like, it's like a Marvel movie up here, a Lifetime movie up here, a Star Wars episode, a First 48 episode, like all that at the same time. I'm like, Lord Jesus, why you save me like this? What the Apostle Paul says is, we may not understand, but God knows, and he understands everything. And he saved us, he redeemed us, he forgave us. This is good news right here. According to the riches of his grace. And what that means is this. It means this, that God has more grace than you and I have sin. Hallelujah. That's a good, that's good news. That's good news. That God has more grace than I have sin. And this grace is, is, is not a license for me to continue to sin. According to Romans, the Apostle Paul said, no, we can't do that. That's, that's not what it means. I believe that we need to be reminded that God's grace never runs out for the people of God because sometimes we get in our own head and we get in our own heart and sometimes we drown out the truth of God and it causes us to live underneath what God has for us to live. And no, it doesn't give us a license to sin. It gives us a license to live for the glory of God, to know that God has more grace than I have sin. Look, it says this, according to the riches of his grace, verse 8, that he richly poured out on us. And you know the picture that I have of that? The picture that I have of that is I have the picture of a championship team. A championship team, when they, when they win a championship and they run and they go in the back in the locker room, the locker room is all covered with plastic. And they have goggles. And why do they have plastic and why do they have goggles in the locker room? They have the goggles and the plastic because the championship team that has just won, they're going to pop some bottles. <laughs> some of y'all are like, I didn't know he was going to talk about popping bottles at church. Well, you came on the right Sunday because we're talking about God popping bottles. Amen. Some of y'all said amen too hard on that. Praise the Lord. Like, amen, pop, <laughs> pop them bottles in Jesus' name. Hold up. <laughs> but no, the champion, listen, that ain't the cheap stuff they spraying around. Have you seen the winning team? They in the back. They shaking up the and they and they're celebrating. Why? They're celebrating because the battle has been won. And, and what are you saying, Pastor Nick? I'm saying this that when Jesus was on the cross and he gave his life and he said, It is finished, and 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 he died and he was buried, and then he rose again with all power. What God was saying is, hey, the battle is already won. Let me pop some bottles of grace on my people and pour it out on their lives. Amen. Some of y'all going to be on Instagram with a bottle like grace. You're going to have a bottle and be like grace. I know y'all. Y'all do it for the gram too much. Be stunting someone grace. No. 
Just make sure it's that Welch's sparkling grape in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. Lord, I got to go. Okay. I got to go. Y'all crazy. I got to go. So we've been redeemed. And what this means is this. Because we are redeemed, we don't have to hide from the brokenness of our past. Because we have been redeemed, we don't have to allow the sins of our past and our shortcomings to sideline us, to steal our voice, to steal our praise, to steal our boldness for Jesus. No, we, we have been saved. And as you continue to read, as you continue to read uh, uh, the book of Ephesians, more specifically chapter 1, the Apostle Paul, he says it three times to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. And what is the Apostle Paul doing? He is saying that, hey, being reminded about who you are in Christ should release a praise and a boldness and an expression of gratitude out of us to God's glory. Being redeemed means we don't stay silent. No. But we share the goodness and the glory of God. If you don't believe me, that God is in the business of taking broken pieces and redeeming them and doing something beautiful with them, it's it's all throughout Scripture. I'm not making any of it up. It's all throughout Scripture. There's a man in the Scripture, and I love the Scriptures because the Scriptures don't sanitize the people of God. When you read about some people of God in the Scriptures, sometimes you love them, sometimes you hate them. There's one man in particular that sometimes I love him, sometimes I hate him. The Scripture says he's a man after God's own heart, but the Scripture also says that he's a man of blood. His name is King David. Do you know him? Well, if you don't know him, long story short, King David, phenomenal musician, giant killer, all of that. But King David did something real trifling one day. Just say it. Say how the scripture put it. What what David did to Uriah was trifling. He took Uriah's wife, committed adultery. Then David tried to cover up his sin and allow Uriah to come home on a weekend pass. Uriah is so loyal to David that Uriah says, I can't go home and spend the night with my wife while my brothers are on the front line. Uriah is so loyal, Uriah stays in the courtyard, doesn't even go home. So David says, you know what, I got to do something else. So David basically schemes for Uriah to go back on the front line and he pulls support. Uriah is ultimately killed in the battle. David then takes Bathsheba Bathsheba to become his wife. David thinks that he gets away with his sin. And this is the truth of the world. This is the truth. Nobody gets away with their sin. All sin is paid for. It's true. Either we pay for it or we trust Jesus Christ to pay for our sin, to release us of the debt that we owe. Well, time passed and Nathan comes. 
I got to wrap it up. Nathan comes to David, and Nathan puts David's business on Front Street. You know, people are like, I'm going to tell God, and God ain't going to tell. That's not true. God will tell your business. <laughs> Amen. That's why some of y'all now, y'all come to church, and you're like, how was the pastor talking to me? Because God told your business. That's how. How did he know what I was doing? God told your business. And God, through his word, is putting you on front street. He's calling you out, not to call you out in a way, but he's calling you out to call you close and to call you up. And this is what happens with David. And David is broken by his sin. David has to deal with the consequences of his sin. But David doesn't pay the penalty. No, 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 no. Because David does not experience a severed relationship with God. No, David didn't experience the penalty of sin. He doesn't experience a several relationship with God. How do you know this, Pastor Nick? Because in Psalm 51, I'm going to read it, and then we're going to close our Bible and go home. Psalm 51, David writes this powerful psalm of repentance. This is what David says. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the inward part, you will make known to me wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me. A clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. That's another meaning of the word redeem. Another meaning of the word redeem is to restore. To take something that has faded, to take something that is broken, to take something that is old and worn down and not up to par. And as you buy it back, you don't just buy it back. You make it better than it was when you found it and you bought it in the first place. That is what God does. And so I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, if you are alive, it's not too late for your life to get better. There's still time for you to get better. As you place your faith in Christ Jesus, knowing you are redeemed. And, and, and I love it because David, he pulls on the grace of God. David clings to the grace of God and leans into the presence of God. David acknowledges his sin and he asks for forgiveness. He asks that God would sanctify him. He asks that God would make him right. But then David says something that lets me know that David does not intend to take his redemption and sit on the sidelines. This is what David says in Psalm 51, verse 13. He says this, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Did you hear what David said? 
David said, listen, I'm, I'm in need of grace. I'm in need of mercy. I, I need God to cleanse me. I need God to save me. I need God to change my life. And, and when God redeems me, I don't intend to sit on that. But I'm going to share my story. I'm going to tell it to whoever will listen so that sinners can come to God. Are you with me? I believe that's possible for everybody that places faith in Christ Jesus. And there may be people that whisper about you. There may be people that remember you when you were who you used to be. But there's an old song they used to sing in church. I'm, I'm wrapping up. They used, to sing, they used to sing a song. It says, I am redeemed, bought with a price. Jesus has changed my whole life. And if anybody asks you just who I am, tell them that I am redeemed. Let people chirp, let them whisper, but you and I are redeemed in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I'm done. That's my Sunday school lesson. And as you walk in the redemptive power of God, and as you share your story, here are a few next steps that should encourage you on your journey. Number one, agree with God. <laughs> agree with God. Agree with God about your sin. Agree with God about the mess you've made. Agree with God. But also agree with God about your salvation. Amen? In Christ Jesus, none of us are who we used to be. If any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. That is the truth. Number two, seek healing. Seek healing. Not only must we be healed from what others have done to us, we've got to allow ourselves to receive healing from the things, the negative words, the negative actions that we do to ourselves. Amen? I don't want to get in trouble. There's a, I'm going to just say it how I feel. Y'all already here now, so we can just say it. In this culture, there's a, there's a whole... Um, discussion about victim shaming, right, about shaming victims of certain things and, and making victims feel shame for the atrocities committed to them. And I think we need to have that conversation. There should be no victim shaming, okay? On the other hand, here, here's another thing. We've got to start holding ourselves accountable for the treatment that we allow in our lives. Are y'all with me? We got to hold ourselves accountable for that. Right? Other people got to deal with their stuff. We got to deal with our stuff. You feel what I'm saying? Y'all with me? When you understand who you are in Christ Jesus, you ain't going to let everything slide. When you understand who God has called you to do and how God has called you to be and how much God values you, you ain't going to let the enemy throw any and everything at you. You ain't going to let no smooth-talking joker just come in and just weasel his way into your life when you know who you are in Christ. Oh, Lord, y'all done tensed up on me. 
when you know who you are in Christ that you've redeemed, you're not going to let every little temptation come in and distract and destroy and derail your purpose. Amen. Clap for that. So, yes, other people got to be accountable for how they treat us. But guess what? We got to be accountable for how we allow ourselves to be treated. Are you with me? We're God's children. If those of you that have placed faith in Christ Jesus, we are God's children. God does not his, want his children living like trash. I believe that with all my heart. Third next step is actually share your story. Share your story. And I'm not advocating that you tell your business to everybody. That's why we encourage community here, getting around people of God you can trust, getting around people of God that can help you build, where you share your story, where you fight the lies of the enemy, where you fight for truth and you fight for each other. Get with people, share your story. And then lastly, watch God work. Watch God work through the lives of redeemed people. Psalm 51 has been an encouragement for generations. Your testimony is going to do the same thing. If you're here and you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know something very, very real that The redemptive power has not been applied to your life. It's available, but it hadn't been applied to your life. Redemption is applied to those who place their faith in Christ Jesus. And so we're going to pray a prayer now, and I want to invite you, if you are prepared, if you are ready to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, bow your head. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes, and repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today confessing that I need you. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I believe that God, he rose again. You rose him again from the dead on the third day. And this morning, I place my faith in Christ Jesus. I make him the Lord of my life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for loving me. My life is yours forever. Amen.